I remember as a kid uh, just always wanting to be grown up. Uh, I remember I had this uh, metal stand and I could do magnetic letters on it and I would do the alphabet and everything and I would tell my mom I was going to school and I would pick up this metal thing and I would carry it and I'd walk a lap around our trailer house uh, and I would say, bye mom, I'll see you after school. And then I would come back in the door and I would say, hi, Mrs. Lemon, I'm here. And she would be like, oh, Derek, so glad you came back to school. And you're not a dropout loser like your brother. We're so proud of you. Uh, and so, you know, I would go and I would spend some time there. And then uh, it would be lunchtime and I'd have to walk home and I'd take the same lap around. Uh, going in the opposite direction, of course, because I was going home rather than going to school. So I'd go the opposite direction, I'd come home, and, and that would be school. And, and I can remember pre pretending to be my dad, too. I would go out, and I would put on boots, and I would go outside, and I would work and, and pretend to be my dad. And so there was always that desire to be grown up. Uh, I mean, there was always that hope that one day I would be, I would be grown. I graduated from high school, and consumers started sending me bills. Man, I want to go back. I want to go back. <laughs> uh, but as we look at Colossians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, Paul is encouraging the church of Colossae uh, to pursue maturity. He wants to see them, and he wants them to desire uh, to be grown up in Christ. So look at Colossians 2 with me. Uh, verses 1 through 5 is where we want to hone in. Uh, but Colossians 2, verses 1 through 5 says this. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those in Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Now, as Paul begins this here, he shares about the struggles that he's had. Uh, and as he shares these struggles, why would he be sharing that with the people of Colossae and the people of uh, Laodicea? What's that? Okay, to encourage them. How would that be encouragement? Okay, all right. Wants to make sure they have a full assurance and understanding. Okay, all right. Steve? Bring them into spiritual maturity. Okay. Growing in Okay, all right. Paul had a great love for them. He did have a great love for them. Uh, as you think about it, though, uh, why would he share the details of this? Why wouldn't he just kind of, uh, hey, you know what, guys, being a, being a follower of Christ, man, there's just lots of peaches and ice cream and and you can stop at fruit stands anytime you want. Why would he not say that? Because trials will come. Okay. He wanted them to know okay. that these things will happen. Okay. And, all right. And that is something that is going to happen. Okay. All right. So as you think about this, he's wanting to prepare them for what's ahead. He's wanting to prepare them for the future. I'm glad we don't have to do that with our own children, right? We know our children are going to grow up and act the way they should, so we just let them go, right? I mean, it doesn't bother us. There's training in that process for our kids, too. And don't we warn our kids about the things that are going to come that are not so good? 
We do, don't we? And so Paul has this care for the people of Colossus, people of Laodicea, and he wants to make sure that they understand that it's not all peaches and cream and, and strawberry and, and chocolate fountains. Uh, there are going to be some tough times for them, and he wants them to know. And it's amazing to me that in our day and age, we've kind of gotten away from that, at least in America, haven't we? If you're a follower of Christ, man, just expect chocolate fountains. You know, your bank account will never be below six figures, uh, and everything is just going to be good as long as you're following Christ. And Paul, who follows Christ pretty well, says, hey, it's going to be tough. I don't want you to, to be unaware of the great struggle that I had for you. But that was where Paul was. That was his heart for them and his desire for them. So as we think about this, what motivated Paul uh, to strive so hard in his service for this group of people? And he says that he hasn't even seen some of them face to face. Why would he struggle so hard for them? What would motivate him to do that? Love, Love? okay. Christ. Christ. Uh, it's all about Christ, isn't it? Uh, he wants them to know who Jesus is. Uh, he wants them to know all about Christ. Uh, and so that is his desire. Now, I want you to notice something. I have hinted at this a few times through our study, and I'll hint at it a few more times. Uh, but notice he says there in verse 1, I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you. Uh, verse 2, that your hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the rule riches of full assurance and understanding in the knowledge of God's mystery. Uh, verse 3, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Uh, and verse, and verse uh, yeah, that's, that's where it is. But the Gnostics were, were teaching that the only way that you could reach spiritual maturity is if you gained enough knowledge. It had to be, you had to be on a higher level of knowledge. And Paul is sharing, hey, you guys know all you need to know about Jesus Christ. He died in your place. He paid for your sins. He went to the cross and did that for you, and he rose again. Victory over sin, victory over death. And you have that full knowledge, and you can grow in that understanding of who he is, but you have everything you know. It's not Christ plus more knowledge, or Christ plus good works, or Christ plus uh, Girl Scout cookie purchases twice a year. It's Jesus Christ and Christ alone. And, and that's what he is trying to emphasize to the people of Corinth. And, I mean, yeah, to the people of Colossae, not Corinth. Uh, Corinth's next week, next hour. Uh, but, but that's what his point is. That's what he is driving home, is that point, that it's all about Jesus Christ, that Christ is supreme in all things. And so that's the message uh, that he is declaring. Now, we talked about this being his motivation, that that was his motivation. How can we have that kind of motivation? Know Christ too. Okay. Knowing Christ too. Okay. All right. Miss Nancy. Ask for it. Okay. All right. Seek that motivation. Ask for that motivation. Okay. Any other thoughts? Sharing. Okay. Uh, as we share Christ with others and we see the impact that Christ has on others, uh, that's an encouragement to us, isn't it? Sometimes when we uh, when we get rejected, it's a discouragement to us, but we have to focus on those ones who receive it because there were definitely some who rejected Paul, right? Left outside, beaten and left outside the city for dead. All right? Uh, so far, that hasn't happened to any of us, right? But, you know, we've had that door slammed or the, 
uh, you know, close heart, but but you know we got to look at the benefits and, and continue to encourage people uh, in that regard, and that's what it is. Uh, I think another thing that really helps us in our motivation, and Howard said, knowing Christ. But you know, the better we know Christ, the stronger our walk with Christ is. Uh, the greater it is overflowing, isn't it? Uh, there's a group of pastors that meet on Wednesday mornings and, and we visit, and there's one of the pastors there uh, that when you talk to him, I mean, all of a sudden he'll be telling you a story, and then all of a sudden he just he'll just share a Bible verse with you in the middle of our conversation. Uh, he's just he's just overflowing with Scripture, uh, and man, I want that to be me. I want people to bump into me and. Whoops, Jesus fills out. <laughs> you know, I mean, just wouldn't that be great? Because isn't that what happens when you have a sponge that's full of water and you try not to move it too much and you bump it a little bit and water squirts out? Uh, that's how I want me to be. I want I want to be Jesus, just just permeating. Uh, and, and so as we do that, that's uh, that that helps us in that uh, motivation as well. Now notice what Paul says here in verse two. That their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love. Why would that be something that's important? I mean, it's obviously wants them to be encouraged, and that's a great thing. I mean, to be encouraged, we understand that. But why would he want this young church to be knit together? Why would that be something of importance? So they can grow. Adam, go ahead. Unity. Unity. Okay. All right. I heard another one. Okay, for strength. Okay. So they can grow together. Okay. So they can grow together. Okay. All right. Sure. Come strong. Okay. So they would have full assurance of their hope in Christ. Okay. Any other thoughts? To encourage one another. All right. So Paul is encouraging them, but they can encourage one another. Isn't it better when we have more than just one of us going through whatever we're going through? Uh, when someone can lock arms with us and say, hey, you know what, we're in this together. Um, and, and so that, he knows what they're going to face as uh, young believers in the city that they're at. Uh, man, if two or three can get together, that's just going to be so much better. And, and the closer that knit is, the closer that relationship is, uh, the more beneficial that's going to be. And so that is his desire there for them. Uh, that they would be united in purpose, that they would be united in mindset, and uh, handling everything that's ahead for them. Any other thoughts about that? All right, that sounds like it's scriptural, almost from the book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, if one falls, uh, they'll, they'll, someone will be there to pick them up. Uh, and, and so that is a, that is a great encouragement. Okay, now look at verse 2 again. He says that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all riches of full understand, of full assurance and of understanding, and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ Jesus. Uh, Paul speaks about this full assurance here in verse 2. Why was that important to this group of believers? Why is this full assurance important to them? Christ in his fullness. Okay, to know Christ in his fullness, okay. Salvation. All right, for salvation, okay. Okay. Young believers, young believers. So having that a full assurance is going to be beneficial for them, all right. Uh, as these false teachers come in, all right, as these false teachers come in, if they have a full assurance of their salvation, that these false teachers are saying, boy, you just got to have more knowledge. 
I have full assurance of, of salvation. I have full assurance of salvation. Why do I need anything anything more? Uh, do me a favor and turn to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. First John chapter 5, and then if you get a chance, find verse 13. If you're not doing anything, find verse 13. And notice what he says here in 1 John 5, 13. Uh, he says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. That you may know you have eternal life. Ah, isn't that a great thing, knowing? I mean, isn't that a great assurance to know? I, I've told this story before, but I was riding with this guy, and he tells me it's about 10 in the morning, and he's just like, oh man, I have to tell you, this day's going better than I thought. And I knew what he was telling me, but I'm like, what are you telling me? And he said, everybody tells, you, tells me that I was riding with the preacher man this week, and I was so nervous that all you were going to do is just slam Jesus down my throat. And I'm like, oh, okay. So what do you believe? <laughs> so uh, he says he, he says that Ushonto was his, was his god, and he believed in Ushonto. And uh, he was native he was Native American, and uh, I can't remember what tribe he was from, Cherokee or Apache, I don't, I don't know what tribe he was from, but uh, Ushonto is their, is their god. And uh, he says, I said, so what do you believe in the afterlife? And he said, I believe that that when we die, we go to the hunting grounds. And if you are really good, then you will be one of the hunters. But if you're not very good, then you'll be one of the hunted. And I said, man, that sounds amazing. I'm a hunter. That's amazing. How do you know? And he goes, we do not know. And I was like, let me tell you something. First John 5.13 says that we can know we have eternal life. If we believe in Christ Jesus, and that's assurance. That's assurance. In First John five eleven, there uh, he says, "He who hath the Son hath life. He who hath not the Son hath not life." I write these things so that you may know those who believe have eternal life. That's that's what he's unfolding. Uh, and so, for the people of Colossae to have this assurance of salvation, this was a huge thing. This was an important thing, just as it's important to us as well. That we have that assurance, that we know that we're saved. Uh, I know that we have never doubted our salvation, right? Never have doubted our salvation. I've never wondered what if. But I used to wonder. I used to wonder. Darcy and I attended a church for a while that they told us that you could lose your salvation. And it used to concern me because, and literally, this was my thought. I was driving a Schwanstruck then, and I was thinking, what happens if I miss a curve and I take the Lord's name in vain? And I die in that accident. What's going to happen? Where will I spend eternity? I was like, and I mean, that used to be a concern to me. Uh, but I just, you know, as I looked at things and saw things and understood things, realized just how sure my salvation is. Not because of what I've done, but because of what Christ has done for me. And this is what Paul wants them to know. So they have that assurance uh, of salvation, that they, that they have that. A blessed assurance. 
A blessed assurance. Oh, that's right. That's right. Uh, now look at verse 4 here, and it kind of tells us a little bit. He says, I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. What's a plausible argument? Okay. All right. So if someone has a plausible argument, and they come with you with a plausible argument, you look at their argument, and you're like, okay, that could be. I mean, that, that could sway my belief. Uh, you know, I I hear what you're saying, and you know maybe this is true. When I when I think about somebody that may not be uh, the best quarterback in the NFL, and someone comes to me and says, "Hey, this is why I believe they're the best quarterback," and I listen to everything and they share information with me, and I'll be like, "You know, you make a good point. You make a good point. I yeah, I can see that, and that's a plausible argument." Uh, and so he's saying, hey, I want to make sure you have this assurance so you're not swayed by those things, so that you don't recognize that and don't see that as a possibility. But this is the truth. This is the truth of, of what you hear. So he doesn't want them to be led astray, that they're not deluded uh, with other arguments and led astray. Now look at verse 5. He says, for though I'm absent in body, yet I'm with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Paul's in prison here. And what is making him rejoice as he writes this letter to them? Their faith in Christ. Their faith in Christ. He's heard about where they are in Christ and their faith in Christ. And so there's an assurance there of, of their relationship with Christ and a, a great reminder of that relationship with Christ. And so that brings him great joy to see that. Okay, look at verse 6 there. It says, Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, bounding, abounding in thanksgiving. Now, looking at verse 6 there, what does Paul mean? As you receive Christ the Lord, so walk in him. What does that mean? What is he talking about? How did they receive Christ? By faith. How are they to walk in Christ? By faith. By faith. The Christian life is by faith, isn't it? That's how we live the Christian life, is by faith. Uh, what is our faith in? Our faith in faith? Okay. Our faith is in Christ and what he has accomplished. What he is, who he is, what he is proclaimed to be. That's where our faith has to rest, isn't it? We know that he is in control of everything. He's sovereign, and his providence okay. is so care. Okay. So we know the truth. And, and that certainly, as we think about his sovereignty and, and his care and that stuff, boy, that sure helps us in the Christian life, isn't right. it? But in regards to salvation, our faith has to be in Christ, doesn't it? And our faith remains in Christ. Right. And as these other possibilities come, we say, boy, that sounds good, but my faith is in Christ. Hey, you need to do better eating Captain Crunch. Hey, that sounds good, but my faith is in Christ. That's that's where I'm resting. And so that's how I'm walking is, is by faith in Christ. And that doesn't change. Remember the Church of Galatia? The Church of Galatia, by faith, received Christ. But then someone came and said, hey, you need to practice the law to stay with Christ. And Paul says, how crazy is it that you, that you abandon the gospel? 
walk by faith. That's what we have to do, by faith in the gospel, by faith in Christ. And that's how we live the Christian life, is by faith in Christ. Uh, and that's where our salvation lies. All right. He's the everlasting Christ is the everlasting sacrifice. Sure. And our sure. everlasting high priest. Yeah. So as our everlasting sacrifice, our faith needs to remain everlasting in the everlasting sacrifice, doesn't it? Yeah. All right. When you think of being rooted, he says there in verse 7, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. When you think of being rooted and built up, what do you think about? What? Okay, the word of God, all right. Okay. Why is rooted in the Word of God something that's important? When you think of rooted, why is that important? Well, you're, you're adhered to that. You're, okay. You're, you're not being swayed back and forth. Okay. Pulled out. You're, you're grounded in that. Okay. And hold to that. Okay. Isn't it a lot easier to pull a weed when it's this tall? What happens when that Russian thistle gets to be about this tall? That root is almost equal to its height, isn't it? And it grows around the side of the garage and through the foundation and grabs a hold of the steering wheel of the garage and the car. So when you pull it, it moves the car. All right. Uh, <laughs> right before BBS, uh, like the week or two before BBS, my back was hurting. And then I, I took, I don't know, like, it says you can have 20 ibuprofen in a 24 hour period. So I took them. And so I was feeling pretty good. I mean, my back was good, and I'm I'm outside walking around, and I I looked, and there's this weed that's there. Man, when that root is that long, it is not good to bend over and pull with your back. It just does not work. I had to go in and eat another twenty hydrogen. Uh, but but when that root is short, it's so much easier to pull out, isn't it? It is so much easier. It is so much more stable. When you plant a new tree, oftentimes you put fence posts around it and tie it to the fence post so that it doesn't sway back and forth. But as those roots grow deeper, as the as the base grows stronger, then you can pull up the fence posts and go fence in something else. Uh, and that's the same way with the Christian life. Uh, we need to have those deep roots, don't we? What about being built up? What, what is that picture of you? What's that come to mind? Maturity in Christ. Okay, maturity in Christ, yeah. When we build up something, though, what do we do? Okay, encourage, all right. Strengthen. 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 Uh, back to that tree illustration. When that when the stump is only this big, or when the main part of the tree is only this big, uh, not very strong. But man, when that baby starts getting out oak tree size, uh, that's a pretty stable tree, isn't it? Okay? So when we are deep-rooted and we are built up, we're going to be stronger in our walking the Christian life. And like Steve said, that's maturity, right? That's, that's when we're mature. That's that point of maturity. And so this is what Paul is desiring. Maturity, sorry. Uh, that's what Paul is desiring, is that they would be mature. That's, that's their desire. That's his desire for the church of Colossae, is, is that they would grow in that. Uh, now notice what he says here. Rooted and built up and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Does thanksgiving have anything to do with with maturity? Yeah. Doesn't it? Doesn't it? I mean, when you rub elbows with somebody who is mature in their walk with Christ, in the deepest of storms, 
There's Thanksgiving in that, isn't there? Man, I'm thankful that I can see black clouds. Thankful for the deepness and the darkness of that blackness. That's just, wait a second, blue skies are so much better. But look at the depth of that black, you know? <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh, but man, isn't that so great when you have that and you can rejoice or you can give thanks in those circumstances, in spite of the circumstances, uh, you can give thanks. Uh, here is Paul writing this from prison. From prison. And he's saying, man, it's a great opportunity to give thanks. And, and he talks about Thanksgiving. And Paul often had that mindset of, of gratitude, of thankfulness uh, in the midst of that. But, it, but it's maturity. It's maturity. And so he's wanting them to press on, to grow, to continue to move towards Towards maturity, that's that's his desire. That's what he wants to see them do. Uh, any thoughts or comments about that? He knew Christ. He knew Christ. He knew Christ. He that's exactly right. Yeah. And, and there's that, that love and that trust and when just resting. Yep. And there's depth of trust, yeah. there's depth of knowledge, there's and depth of love. Time. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't happen like overnight, said, does it? It's not, you don't graduate, you right. are born and you're in college. Right. Exactly. It takes time. Exactly. It's a process. Now turn your Bibles real quick to, to Ephesians 4. This is uh, Paul writing Ephesians as well, obviously. Now look at Ephesians 4. And I, I think this is a great kind of summary of, of what we've seen here about the importance of of uh, maturity. Uh, Ephesians 4, verse 14. Ephesians 4, verse 14 says this. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. So what do we see here in the church of Ephesus? What is Paul desiring to do? He's desiring to see them grow towards maturity, right? All right. And as they grow to maturity, what does that help them? How does that help them? According to Ephesians 4. Discern against false teaching and Okay. They can discern against false teaching. Okay, discern against false teaching and non-false teaching. He says, they may no longer be children. No longer be children. Isn't that an important thing in regards to that? Uh, this, this was on uh, Andy Griffith, the Andy Griffith show. You know that theological sound <laughs> show. I, I saw this clip, uh, but there was somebody there and he was talking about, he was taking Andy and he was misleading Andy. And uh, then, then he said, or misleading Opie. What is Andy's son? Opie. Yeah, Opie. Yeah. Opie. Opie. He was misleading Opie. Yeah. And he was telling Opie, hey, this is what you got to do. And so Opie was wanting to break the rules that Andy had established in the home. And so this guy says, I think we should just let Opie decide. And Andy says, Opie is too young to decide. He is going to decide things based not on the long-term picture or not really what's good for him, but just what's good for the moment. And he needs to have a longer view of things. He needs to see things differently. 
Uh, but he was talking about just as children, we are like that, aren't we? Uh, and we need to be taught. We need to be trained. And so Paul is saying, hey, we need to grow up that we're not children, that we're, that we're not like that anymore. He says, not tossed to and fro by, by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. That's what Steve said about the false teaching, is that they didn't, if we grow to maturity, then we're not taken to and fro by false doctrines. Uh, and so we need to grow in our maturity so that red flags pop up when those things happen. He says, by human cunning, by craftiness, by deceitful schemes, uh, that was going on. And then he says, rather than those things, speak the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. So there's that, instead of being all of those things, not grown up and acting immature, we need to grow up and be mature. That's, that's the point that he's making. Uh, and that really sums up what we see in Colossians uh, as well. So as we think about this, what can we take home from this? I mean, what do we apply to our, ourselves? And I, and I mean us, ourselves, not... Not those who are sitting around us, but us ourselves. Christ will meet every need in our lives. Okay. Christ will meet every need in our lives. All right. Any other thoughts? Draw closer to him daily. Okay. We do need to draw closer to him each day. Okay. Keep in his word. Stay in his word. As we stay in his word, what is, how does that help us? Okay. We continue to grow. Helps us to put down roots. Helps to build us up, right? We need to be rooted. We need to be built up in his word. Uh, and as we're in his word, that's going to help us to grow, isn't it? That's going to help us to grow. Any other thoughts? Okay. As we as we grow in his word, it keeps helps us to avoid uh, false teaching. And, and we really do need to do that, don't we? Because it's always coming in different shapes and sizes. All right. Any other thoughts? Wind blows every which way. Okay, wind blows every which way. That's true. Be careful. Uh, you know, one of the what's that? Okay. All right. As we grow in maturity, we speak the truth in love. Uh, you know, one of the things I was thinking about was that this thought of Thanksgiving. Uh, you know, is as we grow in our in our maturity, we should be growing in our Thanksgiving. Because we're recognizing more and more the things that, where I'm at, the things that are taking place, are not my doing. Uh, it is God who does these things. And I should be, I should be thank, I should be giving thanks. Uh, how many of you guys were able to put on your own socks this morning? You don't have any on, so pray for Joni, pray for Joni. But, but you know, there have been mornings in my life where I have not been able to put on my own socks. Uh, so it's a good thing when I can put on my own socks. You know, it's a, it's a beautiful thing because I hate being barefooted. I can't handle being barefooted. Uh, even in the pool, I won't wear socks. Uh, and so that is a, those little things we need to be thankful for. Let those flow. All right, so Judy rang the bell, so we'll, uh, we'll close. I think another thing that we need to ask ourselves, though, no matter where we are in our maturity level, am I growing? Am I growing? It uh, doesn't matter if we're 25 years in the faith or 55 years in the faith or six weeks in the faith. Am I growing? Because as long as we're here, we're going to continue to grow, aren't we? We'll stop growing the moment we stop breathing. Uh, that's when we graduate. Uh, but until then, we've got to be growing. All right? Let's pray.